If you would, uh, go ahead and turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. I want us to consider again this morning the simplicity of the Gospel. Uh, Brother Gene in the Bible reading uh, read uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and he made the comment uh, there was one of his favorite passages of Scripture, mine too, but he referenced the simplicity. Um, the simplicity that's in Christ. Look at verse 18 here, Matthew chapter 4. And Jesus walking by the Sea of Galilee saw two brethren, Simon called Peter, and Andrew his brother, casting the net into the sea, for they were fishers. <clears throat> and he said unto them, Follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. And going on from thence, he saw two other brethren, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in a ship with Zebedee their father, mending their nets, and he called them. And they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. Now let me say again, the gospel is not complicated. I'm reminded of a time over 30 years ago when Brother Bob Coffey came here to preach for Brother Maurice and Bob had taught a Sunday school class for years at 13th Street in Ashland, Kentucky, and he had a real gift of explaining the things of the Scripture to those of a young age. And our daughter Leah, who was very young at the time, I'm not sure how old, four to seven years old, said to me and Teresa on the way home, she spoke to me and she said, Daddy, she said, I understood every word that he said. I'll never forget that. Now, she wasn't old enough to understand the doctrines of grace. She couldn't comprehend man's total depravity or unconditional election. She didn't understand the doctrines of limited atonement and irresistible grace. And she certainly didn't understand the perseverance or the preservation of the saints. But she did understand every word that Brother Coffey said. Meaning that Bob didn't use words that were over her head. She understood the words that he spoke. And he preached in a way that a young child could comprehend what he was saying, even if she didn't understand the depths of what he said. And that's the way we should preach. With simplicity. And understanding the gospel is very much that way. In preaching, it should be easy to get your mind around the simplicity of Christ and His gospel. It should be easy to get the picture and make heads or tails of God's good news to sinners. Now, don't misunderstand me. It's impossible to believe without God divinely intervening. It's impossible to believe the gospel without God butting in. 
can't be understood the gospel in a natural way for God's ways are what? They're past finding out. But the message of salvation is a simple message. God did for sinners what they couldn't do for themselves. It's called substitution. And the definition of substitution is very simple. It's a person or thing acting or serving in the place of another. That's not hard to understand, is it? My point is this. The doctrines, teachings of grace should be preached and explained so that a young child can understand what we're saying. And I've always strived as a preacher to preach that way. That's certainly the kind of preaching I enjoy hearing personally, where there's no confusion at all about what the person is saying. And people may not believe what you're saying, but they believe that you believe what you're saying. I remember one of the first times that Steve McCarty came. He said, with a, a, a little bit of reservation, he said, I believe that you believe what you're saying. And you know what? Steve believes it now. The Lord's 12 disciples were simple men. They were fishermen, most of them. And though the Lord spoke in mysteries and parables that the wisest of men couldn't comprehend, His words were yet simple, direct. They were, uh, there was no misunderstanding to what He meant. Now many doubted what He said and many didn't believe what He said, but they understood what He was saying. And that's why they often got angry. <laughs> because they knew what He was saying. And it's the same today. Here in our text, the Lord uses two simple words that caused Peter and Andrew and James and John to leave all that they had. What were they? Follow me. Follow me. Two words. One two-syllable word and one one-syllable word. That's pretty simple. Every small child is taught early on as to what it means to follow if I was to speak those two words to my five-year-old granddaughter, she would know exactly what I meant and she would know that I meant it. I've said it many times, people understand the Gospel that I'm preaching, they just don't believe it. In many cases, they despise it and that's why they get angry. But there's no understanding as to what I mean. No misunderstanding, I mean, as to what I mean. Our Lord spoke with simple words, yet never a man spoke like this man. And this two-word message is the difference between life and death. Follow me. To present the gospel of Christ in the simplest forms, I just point you to those two words. Follow me. That's what Christ said. That's what it's all about. Follow Christ. The Lord calls to these men and He says, follow me. And they left everything. They left their business. They left their home. They left their families. They left their friends. And for three and a half years, they literally followed in the footsteps of the Lord Jesus Christ. They didn't have to stop and think about it. They didn't have to check their busy schedules. They left all and followed Him. 
You remember the parable where a certain man made a great supper and he bade many to come. And the Scripture says they all began to make excuse. And they were pathetic excuses. When the Lord effectually calls, people effectually follow. Turn over a few pages to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9, I want you to look at verse 9. Matthew 9, verse 9, And as Jesus passed forth from thence, He saw a man named Matthew sitting at the receipt of custom. He was a tax collector. He was a publican. And He saith unto him, Follow Me. And He arose and followed Him. Now some quick observations here. Jesus passed by and saw a man named Matthew. Matthew didn't come to the Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus came to him. Jesus saw a man. Well, of course Matthew was a man, but that's not what this is talking about. The Lord saw a man, a sinful, wretched, depraved sinner who was a publican, a tax collector, who the Jews hated. Why? Because these tax collectors took more than they were supposed to, and that extra was for themselves. I understand personally how difficult it is to be joyous about paying taxes. But when more than is required is exacted and wasted, it upsets folks. I remember hearing one time that a government agency spent $200 on an ordinary everyday hammer. That upset me a bit. (laughs) What a waste. Now Matthew, he's the type of fellow that wouldn't have won any popularity contest. Not among the Jews anyway, even though he was a Jew. And he's no doubt a wealthy man. I'm sure he had horses and chariots. I'm sure he had a very nice home. I'm sure he had a savings account. But the Lord said, follow me. And he arose and followed him. He too left behind all to follow the Lord Jesus. Have you? Have you? Now these words didn't only apply to the twelve apostles, twelve disciples. Look at Matthew chapter 16, just a few pages over. Matthew 16, verse 24. The Lord spoke to His disciples, but He's addressing a much larger group much larger group here than just them. And He's addressing any man and every man that has a desire to be saved. He's addressing the whosoevers that have a need and a desire to be made whole. Not those who are well, but those that are sick. And in verse 24, Then Jesus said unto His disciples, If any man, if any woman, whosoever, will come after Me, Let him deny himself and take up his cross and what? Follow me. Follow me. Turn over a couple more pages to Matthew chapter 19. The rich young ruler uh, asked the Lord, he said, what do I lack? 
And the Lord very plainly and very directly and very simply said to him in verse 21, if thou would be perfect, if you desire to be saved, and you got to be perfect before God will accept you. We're only made perfect in Christ. If thou will be perfect, go and sell that that thou hast and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven and come and what? Follow me. So you think that man understood what he was saying? Well, of course he did. That's why he went away sorrowful. Because he had a lot. He had a lot. So simply put, friends, salvation, the way to eternal life, is following Christ. One of the definitions of the word follow is to come hither. How do we come to Christ? We follow Him. That's pretty simple. Well, preacher, what about election? And what about predestination? Well, when John speaks of Christ in John chapter 19, those God gave Christ to save, He speaks of them as a flock of sheep. Appropriately so. You know, sheep are dumb, they're helpless, and they stink. That pretty well sums us up. Christ came to save dumb, helpless, stinking sheep. So uh, turn with me to John chapter 10. The Lord identifies His elect people speaking of a shepherd and his sheep. sheep. John 10 verse 4. And when he putteth, speaking of the shepherd, putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. In verse 27, look down at verse 27. The Lord said, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them. And what do they do? They follow me. <laughs> Who are these elect? Well, in Revelation chapter 14, you don't have to turn there, verse 4, it tells us, these are they which follow the Lamb whithersoever He goeth. That's how you know who the elect are. The people of God are identified by their leaving everything and following Christ. And I'll be honest with you, I can't make it any plainer than that. That doesn't necessarily mean that we sell everything we have and live like hermits. I told you the story one time when in religion, you know, got rid of my TV and all my rock and roll albums, thinking that that made me holy, and it wasn't long after that I was back at that dumpster looking for them. (laughs) Leaving everything and following Christ means what it says. Other things don't come first. Every called child of God is willing to give up all. You see, there's only one thing needful. When you get it right down to the bare knuckles, there's only one thing needful, and that's Christ who they follow. We're told that Matthew arose and followed immediately. Have you left all to follow Christ? Have you left all that you were taught in religion? Some people can't let it go. 
Even if it was wrong. Have you left your works and your decisions? There's folks that are clinging on to them even today. Onto their baptism. Well, I was baptized at such and such date, such and such time. Have you left your will and your righteousness behind? Have you left all to follow the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you, have you been made willing to do so? It's a sure sign that you're one of His if you do. In my hand, no price I bring. Simply to Christ's cross I cling. You see, He is the one thing needful. John Newton wrote this, This world and the things of it have all lost their sweetness to me. When we follow the Lord Jesus, December's as pleasant as May. That's what the song says. And we are content with beholding His face. Well, Brother David, what about faith? Are you substituting a life of following Christ for that free gift of grace and faith? Are we substituting our following Christ for our believing in Christ? Well, isn't following Christ a, a task that we perform, a work that we do? Well, I don't consider a work being work if you enjoy doing it. Work involves a mental or physical effort in order to achieve a particular result. Following Christ is not a labor, it's a pleasure. This commandment to follow presupposes faith. You don't faith. You don't follow Christ and leave everything if God hasn't already done a work of grace in you. If God hasn't already given you faith in Him to believe. Life comes before believing. A dead man can't believe. A dead man can't do anything. God must first give him life. Amen. It takes grace and faith to do so. Lazarus come forth and he that was dead came forth. So was his coming forth his salvation? Or did salvation come to him before he came forth? Well, he was dead. <laughs> That's a pretty simple question. Pretty simple answer. Life came before. Life must first be given before we can follow the Lord. Isn't that right, Amy? So in that respect, faith is not a gift given apart from following Christ. Following Christ is the proof of life and grace and faith. And what a great paradox this is. Uh, the Gospel requires you to lose your life before you can find it. The gospel's free, but you must, in your heart, leave everything behind to believe it and to have it. The apostles believed God and they followed Him. But the apostles also followed Christ to believe Him. Does that seem controversial to you? Well, I know this, without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh and we believed Him and we followed Him and we followed Him and we believed Him. Teresa and I have a little thing between us in the 41 years we've been married is which came first, the chicken or the egg? You know, I wouldn't have done this if you hadn't done that and I wouldn't have done that if you hadn't done this. Which came first? Well, we still haven't figured it out. It's a great paradox. It's a great 
Uh, turn to uh, John chapter 12 with me. I'll, I won't turn you any, any other places. John chapter 12, verse uh, 25. John twelve twenty-five. He that loveth his life shall lose it. And he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. If any man serve me, what? Let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my Father honor. To serve Christ is to follow Christ. That's a simple message. We've already said it's to come to Him. How do we come to follow Him? Well, first, uh, the personal presence of the Lord has to be involved. Someone asks you to give them directions to Walmart or to Bible Baptist Church. and Well, you can either draw them a map, try to explain to them how to get there, or you can say, come on, follow me. The Lord's directions are not a map that says turn right and go straight. That's what people tell you today. His directions to life are follow me. It requires the presence of the one that we're following. The way to eternal life is to follow Jesus Christ. And religion gives us directions with a man-made map. The Gospel shows you the way by following Christ. Salvation requires following in the footsteps of Him. Trusting His work, standing in His righteousness. Big difference in following a map and following a person. We follow Him by giving attention to what He says in the Scriptures. And that's why I said in the first hour what I said, this Bible, this, the Scriptures... The Word of God is the most valuable thing that a believer possesses. We reveal ourselves to others by our words, don't we? How do we get to know one another? Well, many of you I've known for many years and we've gotten to know one another by putting our thoughts into words and communicating with one another. I know your likes and dislikes. You, you know mine. We know a lot about each other by communicating with words. Jesus Christ is the Word of God. And the Word of God is Jesus Christ. Hebrews 1.1, God who at sundry times and in divers' manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets, but hath in these last days spoken unto us by His Son. I, I've, I have never heard an audible word from our Lord. I haven't. But I've heard from the Lord through His Word. And they're one and the same. John 1, 1 and 2, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the same was in the beginning with God. And then a few verses later, in verse 14, it says, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus Christ is the Word of God, and the Word of God is Jesus Christ. One and the same. So it's in and it's by and it's through the Word of God that we are revealed this glorious person. And it's how we hear from Him. 
If salvation is to follow him, then it requires his presence, right? That's pretty simple. Secondly, to follow someone implies that they're ahead and we're behind. That's what it is to follow. Have you ever had someone follow you and then when they thought they had it all figured out, they passed by you? <laughs> and they usually, many times, wind up lost. The Lord is not someone who knows the way and then tells you, okay, go on. He is the way and He tells you to come. Come to Me. Come to Me. You that are heavy laden and burdened with sin, come to Me and I'll give you rest. The command of our Lord that our Lord gives us is to follow Him. Not to go on ahead on our own. That's a sure way to get lost. And the beautiful thing about that is that He does it all for us. Back in the late 80s and early 90s, they had those WWJD bracelets. You remember those? Everybody wore them. WWJD. What would Jesus do? That's not the issue. It's not. The issue is what Jesus did. They should have had WJD on there. Christ has done for me what I couldn't do. That's what the Bible reveals to us. That's what Christ, the Word of God, says. What He did for sinners. He bowed. He stooped. He suffered. He served. He gave. He bowed to the law of God in our room instead. We wouldn't bow. He bowed for us. He stooped from His throne of glory in heaven to become a man and to die the death of the cross so that we might ascend from the dunghill and be set among princes. He served as the just one who died for the unjust that He might bring us to God. He gave His life. He died in our place. He fulfilled the law. He satisfied God's holy justice for us who could not. He leads, we follow. That's what Jesus did, and that's the issue. Not what He would do if you follow Him. Following Him in His Word will reveal Him to you. The Gospel is what Christ did for His people. Are you following Him? The call and command of Christ is not coming up with some new innovative and creative way to save ourselves. I never cease to be amazed at the new things that religion comes up with. Salvation is to simply follow Him. We don't blaze new trails. We follow Him through the straight and narrow gate. We follow Him on the narrow way that leads to life. Salvation is following Him. This call and command is a simple one. Following Him, it's not optional. It's, it's essential. It's not, first let me bury my father... Let the dead bury the dead, the Lord said. Thirdly, this call and command is all-conclusive. Teresa and I lived in Nashville area for about four years, and it seemed as though everybody everywhere in the Nashville area was a musician or a songwriter. And uh, my barber, he, he, he wasn't a barber, he was a songwriter. I often thought, why are you cutting my hair? Your waiter or waitress served tables, but they were really aspiring stars in the music business. 
Waiting tables is just what they did to make a living until they made it as a musician or songwriter. Follow him? Follow me? Being in the business of music is what they were dedicated to. Whatever they were, whatever they did, it was simply their means to pay their bills. They believed that their calling was in music. Friends, the Apostle Paul, who wrote the majority of the New Testament, made tents to live. But he first and foremost was a disciple of Christ. And that's what a disciple is. You know what the definition for a disciple is? A follower of Christ. You can look it up in your dictionary. You know, every now and then Webster's gets it right. It's an all-conclusive calling. And no matter what we do to pay the bills, we must follow the one who paid our sin debt. What we do, what we are, are often two different things. Preaching is not my hobby. It's not. I have some hobbies, but preaching isn't one of them. Preaching is my life. Someone once said to me, Jesus is the most important part of my life. Not mine. No, He's not a part of my life. He is my life. Paul wrote, when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall you appear with Him in glory. Christ is the believer's life, and what do they do? They follow Him. We say with Peter, "For to whom else would we go? Every child of God has been brought to that point. Are you going to leave me also? Where else will we go? Thou hast the words to eternal life. Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all for the glory of God. 1 Corinthians 10.31 You see, this is a spiritual calling and command. Follow Christ. We can't see Him. We can't physically touch Him. We walk and follow Him by faith. We walk by faith, not by sight. In the person of the Spirit of God, yet Christ is here right now. Can't see Him. But the Scripture says where two or three are gathered in His name, He's in their midst. Paul said in Romans 8, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Led by the Spirit of God, that means we're following And if we're led by the Spirit of God, if we are the sons of God, we're going to follow Christ. Not physically, but spiritually. A lot of folks are following Jesus physically. Touch not. Taste not. Handle not. That's how they follow. But they're perishing with the using. These are the doctrines of men, not God. We follow in the steps of Christ. Our following of Christ may be different from each of us. Daniel's not here this morning, but he works out at GE, has for many years, and he does a specific task there. But not everyone that works at GE does what Daniel does. Some of them work in the office, some in assembly, some in engineering, some in tool and die, some work in shipping, some work in inventory, some sweep the floors. But they all work together to one end. What Christ will have me to do may not be what Christ has you to do. But we all have the same goal. We all have the same Savior. We all have the same salvation. And we're working together, for lack of a better term, 
to uh, accomplish the same end. And that's to follow Christ. Not everyone's a preacher. I hadn't always been a preacher. After the Lord delivered that demoniac, you remember that in the country of the Gadarenes, he sat with the Lord in his right mind. He who once cut himself with, with stones and tried to kill himself now sits in his right mind because the Lord cast a legion of demons out of him. And he, the one who was possessed with the legion of devils, pleaded with the Lord that he might go with the Lord and, and uh, follow him. But the Lord said this. He said, Go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. And you know what he did? He did just that. He departed and he began to publish in the capitalist how great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone that he told marveled. He told Peter and and, and James and John and Andrew, he said, come. He told, told this man to go. We follow in different ways, but we all follow Christ. Now, i got to hurry, but if God sent one angel to earth, and I don't know who said this, if it was Brother Montgomery or Mayan or one of the preachers, said if God sent one angel to earth to do some great thing, and if God sent another angel to sweep the streets, they would both consider it a great privilege. So whatever we're called to do, we should do unto the glory of God. It's not what we do that really matters. It's who we do it for. So let me uh, close by turning you to John chapter 21. You're not far from there. I think I left you in John 11. John 21, I want you to see this and I'll finish. You know, when the Lord uh, resurrected and He walked with Peter there on the beach three times, He asked Peter if He loved him. And each time Peter would say, if, you know, He would tell Peter, if you love me, feed my sheep. And um, look at verse 18, John 21. Verse, uh, yeah, when thou wast young, verily I say unto thee, when thou wast young, thou girdest thyself and walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. This spake he, signifying by what death he, Peter, should. Glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said unto him, Follow me. You know, we used to walk the way that we wanted to. But now we follow him. A believer does. Look at verse 20. Then Peter turning about, seeth the disciple whom Jesus loved, that being the apostle John, and he was following which also leaned on his breast at supper and said, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? Speaking of John, verse 21, Peter seeing him, John, saith to Jesus, Lord, what shall this man do? And Jesus said unto him, If I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to you? What business is that of yours? What John does? I'm talking to you. Follow. Thou 
me. So I want you to see lastly that this commandment to follow the Lord is always successful. That's what Peter did. He followed the Lord. The one who calls us is the one who equips us. He enables us to do what we can't do. With the commandment comes the power. Lazarus come forth. He that was dead came forth because it was God's power that gave him life. The one who calls us is the one who equips us. He makes us willing when in the day of His power. Now listen, I haven't decided to follow Jesus. I've sung that most of my life, but it's not true. I have not decided to follow Jesus. Christ decided that I would follow Him. He called me and He said, follow me. And I followed by His grace. He gave me the power to do so. Once again, God gets all the glory. Now, is there anything about following Christ that you don't understand? Then follow Him. Follow Him. May God be pleased to enable us to do just that. Follow Him. And if you follow Him, you'll follow Him gladly and joyously. There's nothing like following the Lord. He'll never lead you wrong, never lead you in the wrong place. He's out to do you good. He's out to do you good.